In the name of the living God, creating, redeeming, and sustaining. Amen. Please be seated. Well, last week, right after Easter, I had the opportunity to go back home again to Franklin, Indiana. There's something about going back to a familiar place from the past that stirs up memories that maybe we forgot about who we used to be and how we got to the place that we are today. We had about one hour to spare before we went to the next activity at home. So I went to my old bedroom and started sorting through the boxes my mom had packed up full of my stuff. I looked at the wall, and she'd left some of the pictures up from my childhood, and some, um, some memories flooded back, particularly when I saw a framed certificate on the wall. That certificate offered me a memory of who I used to be and the journey I had taken since. I'll tell you about the certificate a little bit later, but in that moment, I realized I was having a Simon Peter experience. So what's going on with Simon Peter in the gospel today? Well, he'd just seen a dead man come to life, the risen Christ, two times. Before that, he had gone to the tomb and discovered it was empty. And before that, he had denied Jesus when asked if he was one of his disciples. He had watched this friend die on a cross. But before all of this, Simon, the son of John, had been called by Jesus. And Jesus renamed Simon Peter to become one of his disciples. And if you look back in the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you find that in this calling, Simon Peter and the disciples were out on the sea. They were called to drop everything and follow So Simon Peter had gone back home to where he had first met Jesus, where he had first been called to drop everything and follow. He was at home on that boat, in a familiar place, a place that gave him identity. It was at that sea that Jesus showed Simon, the son of John, the possibilities of abundant life in him showed him what could be. And it was from there that Simon Peter embarked on the journey of his life, a journey with the living God that transformed him into an apostle on which we continue to build this very church today. It was back at home in Franklin, Indiana, when I was only eight years old, that I had my first experience of dropping everything and following what I felt called to do. My safe harbor wasn't a fishing hole. It was the public library. And very often as a child, I would ask my mom to go and I would pick out a pile of books to read. That was my catch of fish. In third grade, I pulled this particular book off the shelf. It's called 50 Simple Things Kids Can Do to Save the Earth. Wow, that sounds cool. And on the back it says, you don't have to be a grown-up to save the earth. 
well, I'm going to go home and read this one tonight. So I went home and opened up to the first pages, and it said on the, this page, what kids say. And these are mostly quotes from 10 and 11-year-olds. These were the sage, wise, older people in this time of my life. Lauren Weber, age 10, says, There is too much garbage in the world. The landfills will get so overcrowded that we will be living around garbage every day. If we would recycle more, we wouldn't have such a bad garbage problem. These quotes, including Lauren Weber, age 10, inspired me to read on. Okay, now what, what are the 50 things that I can do? Number one, recycle glass. It talks about how glass has been around for 3,000 years, and we can remake it, but we have to recycle it. So what do, we, what do we do next? We get bins that are clearly pictured here, and we can collect the glass, and if we have enough room, we can even sort clear brown and green. I can do that. And I kept reading on, be a water leak detective. I can check all the pipes in my house. <laughs> Every little bit, litter bit hurts. I can pick up trash. And on and on, 50 things that I could do. I was so excited that I dropped everything and I went to my friend Rebecca's house and I said, you have to read this book. We can save the earth. <laughs> Rebecca read it cover to cover too. And we were so excited that we went to our third grade teacher, we went to all of our other friends in our class, and we went to our parents and said, we need to recycle. And that's what we did. And that's what the whole elementary school started to do, because we had all these people on our side. At age eight, I did not have the words to express why I was doing this. I just did it. Now I understand that I was responding to a call. I was responding to a call to be a steward of God's creation, to see what gifts God had given me and to find ways to give those gifts back to make the world a better place. My memories of that time are exciting, meaningful, and now they're pretty old. It's been a couple decades. I've continued to listen to ways that I am called to follow God and to be a steward of the gifts God has given me. But now, after two decades, it's usually only when I go back home that I recall vividly the little girl I used to be. Simon Peter had been renamed by Jesus, called to live the life on the sea behind, to drop everything and follow so why in the world did he go back? I think it's because Peter's roots were there on the sea. This was his home. After all of those life-altering events of following Jesus, Simon Peter returned to what he knew was safe, what he knew best. It was there on that life at, on the sea, after all, that he had discovered who he was, who he was called to drop everything and follow. So there he is back on the sea. He's at home with his friends, looking to make a catch in the middle of the night, dropping the nets in and pulling absolutely nothing up. 
It is then that the risen Christ calls to Simon Peter and the others from the beach. You aren't catching anything, are you? They answer, not yet recognizing that it's Jesus. No. It's then that Jesus says, cast your nets to the other side. Get a new perspective. Try a different way. In that same boat, on those same waters where he had first dropped everything and followed, Simon Peter and the disciples pull up a net near breaking point because it is so filled with so many fish. And then they're back on the beach and they have a barbecue. They hang out together. They feast on the abundance of fish. They intimately remember as they share that meal who they were as friends and who they had become as followers of Jesus. It's then that the disciples recognize the risen Christ in their midst for the third time. So often, we go back to places from our past, either literally or figuratively. Sometimes we drop our nets fishing for what used to be and come up empty. We wonder, why aren't things the same as they used to be? On the wall, in my old room, where I had that Simon Peter moment, was that certificate I was telling you about. It was an award. It was dated 20 years back to this very week. And it honored the work that my friend Rebecca and I did to bring recycling to our elementary school. As I looked at that certificate, I, reminded, I was reminded of who I was. That my roots were in being a steward. And that then I was a steward of God's creation. I shared these memories with my family over dinner that evening, both my parents and my husband, and they reminded me too, not only of who I used to be, but who I am, who they saw that I was called to be. Jesus offered Simon Peter on the beach over that meal a perspective on who he used to be, who he was, and who he was called to be. He asks Simon Peter. He doesn't say, hey, Peter, or Simon Peter. He says, using his childhood name, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Simon answers, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus keeps answering the question, or asking the question three times, each time using Simon's childhood name. Do you love me? Simply replying, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. Jesus reminded Simon, son of John, that when he was younger, he used to do whatever he wanted to do. He'd go wherever he wanted to go. He could drop everything and follow Jesus. But Jesus said, when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. I recognize that now, as an adult, 
I am still called to follow Jesus. And sometimes that's where I want to go. And sometimes it's more challenging. It's not really where I want to go. It becomes more of a challenge to follow Jesus when a loved one unexpectedly dies. When I know I need to reconcile a broken relationship or friendship. When things don't quite turn out the way I wanted them to. When I know I should be generous, but the tax man comes knocking on my door. When I realize it's time to think about the well-being of someone other than myself. But that is when I, like Simon Peter, must consider where Jesus is leading me next. Because I know that his love for me and my love for him call me to move forward. Back in the safe harbors of our lives, so often we take a limited perspective when it comes to following Jesus. We cast our nets to the hypothetical side of the boat of life. It comes up empty. And so often we simply accept this. It takes the risen Christ to say to us, cast your nets to the other side. Take a different perspective. Experience my abundant gifts that are right in your midst. It takes the risen Christ to help us to see how we were stewards of God's gifts in the past, who we used to be, and who we are right now, who we're called to be next. It takes the risen Christ to teach us to follow, to offer the gifts of God in the name of feeding the sheep, to recognize that the gifts of this present moment, the gifts of our lives, are abundant. May you listen for the voice of the risen Christ. Where he is calling you to follow. Is it somewhere that you wish to go or somewhere you don't wish to go? There's a time for both. How is Jesus using your childhood name? Allison Amber, follow me. beckoning who you were in the past to show you the possibilities of your future. May that voice become evident. May you boldly respond to that clear command, Jesus speaking to you at the core of your being. Follow me. Amen. Amen.